All right. Well, once again, hello, everyone. Welcome to Christ Central Church. Greetings to those who are online. Thanks for participating with us today. And my name's Joe Crummy, and today I'm going to be speaking about a topic that applies to all of us. So kids, youth, teens, everybody in between. And without being too crass, it is a four-letter word, and it starts with the letter W, and it is called work. So, question for you. What immediately comes to mind when you think about work? Did I just hear a yuck? Is that what I heard? <laughs> I, I interpreted it as a yuck, because that's what it kind of was I was expecting for maybe an answer. So what comes to mind? You can be... Enjoyment? Tim, you just totally blew away my whole thing. That's not, what, that's not the answer you're supposed to give, okay? Somebody else but Tim. <laughs> oh, my soul, the hecklers are in the crowd today. What a crew. I'm going to send more work your guys' way, okay, just for answering that way. Okay, there are a few that actually like it. Some people think Monday morning. Some people think schoolwork chores, going to work. Some people think manual labor, so I brought my, this is my uncle's, my uncle Doug, who I'm, my middle name is after, he worked on the railroad for like almost 40 years. He was in the coal mines first in Spring Hill, and then um, he missed, he worked every second day, like he'd work a full day at the coal mines, so like all day, like five in the morning till like six or whatever at night, and then he'd have a day off and work, and in 1958, on the off day, there was another big explosion, and I think 50-some were killed that time. They shut the mines down. He went and worked on the railroad, and so he gave me a long time ago one of his... So I think of work that way. Most people think of work today is probably more this. You can think white-collar, blue-collar, all kinds of different things. And when I was growing up, sort of two things stand out that kind of help maybe define work, except for Tim and other people not to be named who joined in. And uh, these were two things. So one of them is, because uh, you guys know I like 80s references when I speak, so I'm just going to continue to do that. And so there was a Canadian group uh, that shall remain nameless who had this song, and I can't believe I didn't do this at the karaoke night. I'm, I think of all the songs afterwards. And it went something like this, everybody's working for the weekend. And we'll stop right there, okay? Now here's the question. In that song, why is everybody working for the weekend? Because on the weekend you don't work. Weekends are anonymous, like, synonymous with what? Fun and rest and sleep and party. And it's like, if I can just get through the week and get to the weekend. So, okay. See, Tim, everyone else is tracking with me. All right? I'm going to pick on Tim. It shows how much I love him in a good way. So another thing that came from my generation as well, and honestly, I don't see it anymore because I think it got thrown out, but this was back in the 80s as well. There used to be all kinds of commercials, and we only had two channels, remember, so you saw the same commercials over and over again. And there was a whole commercial that had to do with some financial group, and it was called, it was all about Freedom 55. Does anyone remember that? Good old Freedom 55. And the whole thing was, it's an interesting thing. You want to save money and you want to work towards so that by the age 55, you can retire and then you can have freedom. 
it's amazing how that doesn't, isn't promoted anymore. <laughs> Freedom 55, because the whole point was, when you get retired, then you can enjoy life. So it's bad news for the rest of us who aren't 55 yet. Guess what? You can't enjoy life until you get freedom 55. And this whole thing about, in our culture, retirement is when you'll be able to then enjoy life. And that all has to do with the connotation that work is actually a bad thing. And that some people, work is a necessary evil. You've got to pay the bills. And, oh, I've got to leave, I can't leave out this quote, because this was another one. This is kind of, and this one comes from our very own Mark Rushworth who's not here today because he's serving in PEI, but I'm going to quote him because he's not here. Because Mark, on live TV, one time said this, I live for vacations. <laughs> what a worldview. With the connotation being, I live for vacations because the rest of the time isn't very good. So Mark, when you listen online, that one's for you. <laughs> Because for many people, work is hard, and work is boring, and work can be mundane, and work can be stressful, and it can be a burden, and for a lot of people, it's blah. There are a few who actually enjoy work, and sometimes we can go to the other extreme of work that we can find our identity in work. We can become a workaholic. We can avoid other things and escape other things, so we just work, 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 so we don't have to think about some other things. So there's kind of two extremes on that. And thankfully, according to my neighbor, I only work one day a week. So I've got it pretty good compared to most people. So I'm like, whoo, good thing my life is good. So this morning, my goal is this. Work is here to stay in various forms. And if we spend, for a lot of us, two-thirds of our lives at work, working, then folks, that's a lot of time to just be trying to be like, I wish I wasn't here. I'm trying to get through the day all of that. So I'm going to ask this thing. Is there a better way? Is there a better way that we can look at work? Is there a better way that we can look at, we're not just living for the weekend, we're not just aiming for retirement. If we don't want to hate five out of seven days. And over the last several months, we've been doing this. We've been trying to get our eyes on Jesus We've been reminded through Hebrews, we're fixing our eyes on Jesus. We were reminded of that even this morning during worship. That we're trying to behold Jesus, and we're trying to understand Jesus. Who are you? And in light of seeing who Jesus is, we find out who we are. So we've been saying, Jesus, you're the son of God. And we've been understanding, hey, if we follow Jesus and we're in Christ, guess what? We're sons of God. And we're Jesus, Jesus, you're king. You're king of your kingdom. And therefore, we are, in light of that, we're your ambassadors. You're the light of the world, and therefore, we're the light of the world. You're the sent one, and the light of that, we're sent. And today, we're going to look at another aspect of Jesus, is this. Jesus is a worker. Jesus was a laborer. And we want to see things now as we, and Tim uh, had that verse, that we want to clothe ourselves with Christ, we want to renew our minds, that we want to see all of our life through the eyes of we're part of a kingdom of God, and we want to see it how Jesus sees it. And here's a verse that is so different from our culture and our worldview. And this is from Colossians 3, 23 to 24. I think we have that uh, verse on the screen. Can we read this together? Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not human masters, 
since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord you are serving. Just stop and think about that one for a minute. That's pretty incredible what Paul's writing to. And in the context, you remember who Paul's writing to? He's writing to husbands, wives, children, slaves, employers, employees. That's the context that Paul is writing that to. He's saying, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. As working who? For the Lord, not human masters. Since you know it, you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord you are serving. So let's just unpack that a little bit. First of all, we see this. God is, God labors. God is a worker. God was at work at creation. You can just go this week, look up Psalm 104 and look at that more in depth. And that God worked at creation. God was like an architect. God was like artist. God was a designer, program engineer. God was a gardener. He worked. We read this, just a couple of passages from Genesis 2. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east. God was a gardener. Isn't that amazing? 2.9, and the Lord made all the kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. And we see in all creation, God worked for six days and then he rested. And Adam and Eve, the first humans, were created in the image of God to mirror and reflect God. And before sin, guess what they did? They had work to do. And we read this in Genesis 1, 27 to 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then more specifically in Genesis 2.15, says this, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. God works, God labors. Male and female, Adam and Eve created in his image. They had a job to do, to be a steward of God's creation. So folks, here's the thing that sometimes gets lost. God created work, and it was good before sin entered the world. Now we're going to see, work got cursed, absolutely. But the point I'm trying to make is, in redemption, God created work. God's a laborer. He's a worker. White collar, blue collar, we see it all. Now, Adam and Eve, unfortunately, they didn't believe God, they didn't trust God, and they sinned, they disobeyed God, and there were consequences to that, and there were consequences to the woman, and God said, hey, consequences of you, there's going to be more pain and childbearing, Oof. and all these years later, it's still the case. He said to the serpent, you're going to be despised, dust of your belly, and someday the seed of the woman is going to crush your head. And he said to the man, cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. Oh! Some tough consequences for sin, and that's a lesson for all of us. There's going to be hard work. There's a curse. There's going to be thorns and thistles. And basically, most of your days of work are going to be blood, sweat, and tears. That is what comes with it. And if you ever worked a garden, you know you put a whole lot more into it than you get out of it. Somehow those weeds can just grow no matter what. They're like, you know, and yet you're trying to plant, you're trying to sow, you're trying to water, and the right stuff doesn't grow, and the wrong stuff does grow, and it's hard 
work. And things get blight, and your crop is never as much as you expect it to be. A lot of effort and sometimes very little return. But hallelujah, in steps Jesus. And we see in the life of Jesus that Jesus worked, he was a laborer. And we don't have a whole lot in the Bible about Jesus kind of age 12 to age 30. But if you kind of follow Jewish tradition, he probably took after his father who was a carpenter. So you think about this, Jesus was a carpenter. He probably worked around the house. He's probably involved in the garden, maybe the vineyards. And he worked. And it's interesting because you think later on, you go, hmm, isn't that interesting? Because you don't really think about Jesus working, you know, as a teenager. But all of a sudden, when Jesus began what we call his ministry, isn't it? And serving and things change. But isn't it interesting? What are some of the things he talked about? Hey, if you're going to build a house, and you're thinking, huh, isn't that interesting that Jesus, his dad was a carpenter. He was probably, he's a gardener. Vine, branches, sowing, he gave all these parables. Vineyard. Isn't it interesting that Jesus probably got a lot of these illustrations from his own cultural experience as a worker. And then we see age 30, his work changed. Jesus began teaching and mentoring and serving and miracles. And it says this, he worked hard. How do we know it worked hard? Because it says this, Jesus was tired. <laughs> Jesus fully God, but remember, fully human. Jesus was tired. He needed rest. Jesus was weary. And we saw that in Luke 3. Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. He began to serve. Jesus said things like this, John 5, 17. Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. Jesus was about his father's work. And I don't have it in there, but I was just thinking, the Holy Spirit works. Jesus said in John 14, 15, and 16, hey, the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to convict, he's going to reveal, he's going to be your teacher, he's going to counsel, he's going to comfort. The Holy Spirit is at work. So folks, when we behold Jesus, we don't always think of this part of Jesus. We think of maybe, yeah, Jesus, light of the world, Jesus, resurrection, life. But Jesus is a worker, laborer. And we in turn, as we behold Jesus, we begin to understand our identity and our purpose. And in Christ, we begin to see that, guess what? We're co-workers with Christ. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? Because we all know God could do whatever he wants without us. God could have had the whole world created. He didn't even need to create Adam and Eve to take care of the world. But somehow in God's heart, in community, God wants to partner with us. Isn't that incredible? God wants to work with us. God wants to use us. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 3, 6 and 9. It's an interesting one. He said this, because there was fighting going on in the Corinth church. They're like, oh, some of us are following Peter. Some of us are following Paul. Some of us are following Apollos. And there was a different division. Paul said this, look, I planted the seed. Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. For the one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to their own neighbor. For we are co-workers in God's service. So we're co-workers together. Might not fit on your LinkedIn profile, that you know, but we are co-workers with God, and we are co-workers together as a local church. And Jesus did the ultimate work, didn't he? Jesus said, my work is to fulfill the Father's will. And Jesus' final work was to go to the cross in sacrifice and service. And on the cross, as he gave his life, what did he say? It is finished. 
He fulfilled everything the Father had asked. He had fulfilled all the prophecies and promises. He did his work. And because of that, and through his resurrection and ascension, he's made a way for us to come into relationship with God, to be able to call God Father, to have access to God, for God's Spirit to live in our lives. And we see now, as we talked about a couple of months back when we did a whole thing on Jesus being king of his kingdom, that Jesus is ushered in a new kingdom. It's to replace that curse that was given in Genesis 3. He's come to reverse the curse. He's come to bring new life and to bring a new kingdom. And by extension through us and through his church, to bring in his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. So we know that we're saved, we're loved, accepted, we're sent, that we're ambassadors of his kingdom, heaven on earth. And it changes our view of work. That's the main thing I want to get through this morning. That all of our life is a worship to God. So it's no longer just a necessary evil. It's no longer just to pay the bills. It's no longer, and a lot of times this happens even in church life, which is unfortunate. We have this kind of what gets called in our culture the secular sacred divide. So you can think, oh, it's really important. I come to church on Sunday, and it is. And somehow we think this is more sacred than you going to work tomorrow morning. And please hear me. We all know we value the importance of the saints gathering together. We worship God. We're a community. We, we want all of that. But folks in the kingdom of God, guess what? Your attitude on Monday morning is just as important as your attitude this morning. There's no secular sacred divide. And sometimes I talk to people and I'm like, oh, if I just had more time to give to the church, you know, I'm kind of in my boring job and oh, I wish I could do this. And we get that, and part of it is, as NIL was just saying in the announcements, we want to be able to serve in church life. But folks, it's not a divide. God has you where you are in your workplace for his purposes and his plans and for his glory just as much as he has you in church life. Do you get that? That's a huge change. Because not everyone in culture and not everyone even in Christian culture and we can have this divide that ministry, and so Joe Crummy, elder, pastor, working for the church, is more important than any of you working at your job. It's not. Now, we honor our leaders, as the Bible says, and it's important. We want all of that. But I'm really going to come at, many people just feel disqualified and say, my life isn't important. And I think it fits in with what Pamela was talking about, that I'm not, not important. You are important. And some of us have more in the spotlight little roles, and some of us, most of us are behind the scenes. But in the kingdom of God, it's all important. That's how God works. So it's quite a different thing to think sacred, secular, and the kingdom perspective is Paul writing this. I'm going to say it again regarding marriage, family, work. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the... Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord you are serving. Wow. That's, talk about renewing our mind. We've really got to get that one in here and in here. And Mark spoke on this earlier from Ephesians 2, Sam. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. So please hear me. Church involvement is important, absolutely. 
It's a priority and joy and responsibility. But also the whole of our lives, 24-7, is a lifestyle of worship to God, including our workplace, our schools, at home, wherever we find ourselves to be working. Folks, two-thirds of our life is not a waste. <laughs> Work is not just something to get through to the weekend. It's not just something to get through to retirement. It's not even something just to get through to get then to church things. Because we are ultimately working for God. And I know many of you might not particularly feel like your work is very important or spiritual, but if it's legitimate, you are co-working, co-laboring, co-creating with God. It's for God's glory. So quickly, here's just three applications or changes. They're very brief. Number one, and I think you get it, this just has to do with our attitude. Whatever we do, work at it with all of our heart as working for the Lord, not humans. It is the Lord Christ we are serving. So if you hate your boss, that's not a good reason just to say, I'm not going to work very hard. or Because ultimately, who's your boss? God is our ultimate. He's our heavenly employer. So sometimes our attitude and our heart is we can't kind of get mired down into the chaos and the muck and the mire around us. We need to bring some life. Man, so I just thought of it last night. So our fuel group, we went to the UMB hockey game last night. And can I just say this? The arena was dead. Like it was dead. Like there were hundreds of people there, but it just felt, it felt, it didn't just feel dead. It was dead. <clears throat> UMB played terrible. Nobody cheered except for our fuel crew were cheering. And bless Caleb. Caleb changed the culture of the Aiken Center last night. How old's Caleb? 12? 13? Caleb, he was, he was going. He got his phone out. He's doing the light. And guess what? Guess what people did across? They got their phones out and they started to light. Caleb's dancing. Everyone's like looking at him. And we're all kind of looking at him. But we kind of we got in on it too. And people are laughing. And other people started cheering. And Caleb ended up as the fan of the game. We were so thrilled for him. Folks, honestly, in a place of like 3,800 people with maybe a few hundred people there, I'm not overstating. He changed the culture of the Aiken Center last night just by bringing some joy and enthusiasm and some laughter and some energy. Now, I know it's kind of a funny illustration, but it's actually a great illustration. <laughs> we can be encouraging because God sees. We can be motivated because it's all for God. So others around us can be lazy or disengaged, or they can be the opposite. They can be workaholic-driven because that's where their identity and value and success is, and we're not like that. We can actually take some rest because we're like, my identity isn't in my performance of my work. Either extreme. But folks, we have to get into our worldview. My whole life is an offering to God. So we have to just ask ourselves some questions. Sometimes, am I just going through the motions because I really hate my job, hate my boss? Are we being lazy? The other extreme, are we overworking? And folks, this applies to all of us. 
That can be for our kids. If you've got some chores to do, are we doing them? Students, employers, employees. Our attitude is this. We're to work at it with all our heart as working for God. We're serving Jesus. Jesus is our heavenly employer. And guess what God does a lot of the times through that? We talked about this last two years about spiritual formation, God growing us to become more like Jesus, fruit of the Spirit, all that inner stuff. Guess where he does most of that work? He does it here in church life and life groups and as we serve. But guess where he does most of it? At your workplace. People get on your nerves and you've got to figure out how you're going to react. People misuse you and you've got to figure out how you're going to react. You've got to learn how to communicate. You've got to learn how to what attitude, what vibe am I giving off? Guess where most of God does his formation? It's not just in church life, it is. It's actually in our workplace. That's where God does a lot of his work. Two, our attitude and our heart is important, which leads to action. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. Jesus said, you're the salt. You're going to bring flavor. You're going to bring light into darkness. So our actions lead to this, lies of integrity. Are we being truthful? Are we stealing? Are we dependable? Are we honest regarding our sick days? Are our words for gossip or encouragement? Do we bring division or are we a peacemaker? Those are all legitimate things that affect our lives that we have to just take a look at. Our heart of worship leads to serving for the sake of others. It's about this. It's about using our gifts and talents. God's given us gifts and talents. Spiritual gifts, yes, but he's given us just natural talents. Are we using them? Are we good stewards of them? Are we content with God, not just with money and success? What's our quality of work like? What is our commitment like? Are there opportunities for us to be able to serve others, to pray for others, to share? But God wants us to serve, this is the key, God wants us to serve in such a way that points to God whether or not we were able to share the gospel verbally or not. Because I know in a lot of our workplaces, we're not allowed to do that. We have to be respectful and creative. But even if you feel that you can't, our attitude and our actions should still point people to God. Now, I'm going to take a risk here. And as I was preparing this message, and I always, this is always a tension because I want to give real-life examples. I don't want to embarrass anyone. I don't want to leave anyone out. But I'm going to give some real-life examples. Because I'm in some situations just in life here in Fredericton. We're not that big. Where I'm in situations where I actually hear about people in our church in their employment, and people don't know I know them. So it's always an interesting thing. I can work really well or really not well. (laughs) So I was in a meeting last Monday night, and again, this person would not know any connection, because I'm there on behalf of the school, I'm not there in church life. And this person was just sharing and went on and on. And so I'm going to mention him, even though he's going to be really mad at me for saying it. So I'm at a meeting, and this person's talking about the changes, the positive changes that come since Graham Rich has come to Devon Middle School, and how he's transformed different things and brought such good things, and was just going on and on and on. And I'm just, I'm just beaming. Because I'm like, I have no idea I'm, that Graham and I are friends, past the same church, anything. And then they just 
they went on to the next thing, and I'm just like, well done, Graham. You're bringing Jesus. Whether they can put words to it or not, you're bringing the kingdom of God into Devon Middle School, and it's changing culture. Now, I'm going to pick on Dave Laver because he's really going to be upset at me on this one. Because <laughs> I know people that Dave Laver's actually their boss, and they don't know the connection. And they were talking about, in a situation, about how good of a boss Dave Laver is. And again, I was just like, well done, Dave Laver. Well done. Now, folks, I'll, I'll pick a few more, okay? I've got so many that we'd be here for a long time. So Kara, where's Kara? She's here, yep, Kara, same thing. I got people, I got peeps everywhere, man. <laughs> I got people sharing how good you are at your job who have no idea that we're connected and you're bringing the gospel, the kingdom there. Man, Kenyanga, everywhere you go, so many good things. Tim Bicknell, same thing. I might as well just go up and down every person, okay? Noah and Jarrett, I'm going to pick on you guys, all right? Again, I go see your teachers, coaches, everything, and you're bringing the kingdom just by who you are. And just being and bringing who you are brings a difference to those sports teams and to those. Karen, same thing, okay? We need... I'm just looking. Kevin Fenwick, same thing. I was playing hockey with a guy, engineer. I said, oh, do you know Ben? Oh, I had Ben as a prof, best prof I ever had. Kind, da-da-da, went on. I was that student teacher for one of these guys and the students there, the student teacher from Stu. And I said, oh, do you know Gary? Oh, Mr. Glant, he's fabulous. This, this is what she said. Oh, he's fabulous. He really cares for us. Had nothing to do with whether he's a good instructor, anything. Like she was just like, he really cares for us. Did I mention I could go on and on and on? Folks, that's bringing the kingdom of God in all your different workplaces, homeschooling, at your home. It's important. And whether you think you're making a difference or not, you're doing it for God. That's our attitude. God's our boss. We're doing it for him. Whether we get any earthly recognition, which leads into the next one. I couldn't come up with another A. So afterlife is kind of, yeah, I know it's not as good as attitudes. And actually, I say that up front. I was going to do awards, and that kind of seems. So if you come up with a better one, let me know afterwards, and we'll change it in the notes. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. It's working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know, do you know this? Since you know, you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. Does that change our perspective and our motivation? God sees and knows and cares. And folks, not all rewards come here on earth. So we're not all about health and wealth and success that, because the kingdom's a strange kingdom and that Jesus said, the first are gonna be last and the last are gonna be first. And so some people here on planet Earth work hard and they've got no pension, no benefits, no bonuses, and no respect. And it's hard. And you're overlooked. 
the good news is this. God sees. God sees your heart. God sees your actions. And guess what? You might not get much here on planet Earth, but there's an inheritance coming. You're going to get rewards in Christ. Remember that passage I just read earlier? Paul said this, I planted, Apollos watered, God made it grow. Each one's going to receive an award, a reward according to their labor because we are co-workers with Christ. Folks, I don't quite understand it all, to be honest, and I know we're not supposed to be motivated by awards and rewards and everything, but I can't help but say we got some sort of inheritance coming. Do you know that? That's good news. Come on, folks, come on. That is good news. And Patty, can you just tell Robert this? Can you tell your husband, Robert, Rob, this? Because I was thinking this week, and again, I, I hate sometimes to pick someone out, but it was on my heart so strongly. Someone like Rob, okay, who thinks, I know, because we talked about it, who's been unemployed and then working hard and gets overlooked and other people get things and it's unfair, and a lot of it is unfair. But Rob works hard. Can you just tell him he's got an inheritance coming? And it's going to be a big inheritance. Because he hasn't gotten much here on planet Earth, but he's getting a lot in heaven. Okay? Can you encourage him with that? That's an encouragement for us. Folks, we can just lift up our heads that we can behold Jesus. Jesus works. He works today. You know what Jesus is doing today? He's interceding for his church. He's working. He's interceding. So folks, I've gone a bit over, sorry. But my main point is this. As we're beholding Jesus, this is the whole point of all the series that we've been doing. As we behold Jesus and we see who Jesus is, that is who we are in Christ. His identity becomes our identity. And it gives us purpose and meaning and direction in our lives. So today, such a key one, such a key one. We spend a lot of our times at work, going to work, all of that. And if we just dismiss and say, I'm just working for the weekend. I'm just going to get to retirement. I'm just going to get to Sunday morning. I'm going to get to my church things. But the rest of this, which fills up most of my life, isn't important. We're totally missing. God wants us to bring the kingdom wherever we are. Whatever our work is, you're at home. Parenting, that's in most important <laughs> work. So don't disqualify yourself for anything. You can bring the kingdom of God in every context that we're in. Whether it's behind the scenes. And some of us, it's just little things that God keeps asking to do. Again, just to bring some encouragement, not to gossip. To be the first one to do some things where nobody else is doing anything. That's the kingdom of God. The mustard seed starts out so small, but it grows. I'm going to put on the live stream feed, even though it's the men's night this week. I'm going to put the questions on. Here's just a few questions as we end to think about, and I'll ask the worship team. They can come. So here's just some questions to think about. When everyone's working for the weekend, <laughs> Why do we view work sometimes as a prison sentence that we're just seeking to escape? You can be honest and think, 
for a few of you, you love your work, hallelujah. Maybe it's a majority of you, that's great. I think that's God at work in you showing that we're not like the culture, but something to think about. Do you see yourself co-working with God in your work? Do you see that? I wish I had more time. I love the interview, Karen, Shani, others who work with their hands and creative minds. Like, do, do you feel sometimes that you, do you know that you're co-working with God? He's an artist. I love to be with Taylor sometimes. Like, as an engineer, you're problem solving. Do you know that you're co-working with God? For those in our health care and caring for people, do you know that you're co-working with God? You're the hands and feet of Jesus. Whatever it might be. Third, how can our identity that we're co-workers with Christ make us more conscious of God at our work, whether we're at our company, our school, or our home? Do you realize just understanding who we are makes us more conscious? So I hope even this week, even at your workplace, you're like, God, make me more aware that you're here with me, that you're working with me. And we learn to hear God's voice more. And how does offering our work to God shape the quality of our work? I work really hard for God when I'm at church, but I'm kind of lazy at work. Those are some things for us to be thinking about. All right, well, let's stand if you're able. And I just want to pray this, and then again, our song is usually our response to hearing God's word. But God, we just want to thank you this morning that we see Jesus, your example. You did the work of your Father. You're working today. You're interceding for us. And we thank you that as we see who you are, Lord, that you would help every person here this morning watching online to know who we are as we behold you. And God, I pray, Lord, for every culture, circumstance, context that we're in, God, whether we're at home, parenting, homeschooling, whether we're kids who are obeying our parents, whether we're whatever at school, involved in, working at all our different various vocations. God, even if we're unemployed right at the moment, and as we're seeking to be employed, God, I just pray by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, would you help us to have an attitude and to put into action God, whatever we do, Lord, help us to work at it with all our hearts as working for you, Lord, not for human masters. Since we know that we will re receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord we are serving. Lord, help cement that in our hearts, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.